Hi everybody, welcome back. I am Chrissy Baki, the hippie Christian who cares, and this is the last episode, episode four, of a series called Secular Jesus, and you do not have to listen to the other three in order for this one to be relevant, because each are a, a separate topic. We talked about Jesus all over the place. Um, The second one, we talked about Jesus in athletics, and that one was very specific to an athletic event that was happening. But how Jesus really is in the sporting world. And last week, we talked about Jesus in secular music. That one was interesting. I had kind of fun with that. A lot of talk about music in the Bible. And this week, we're going to talk about work. God actually created work. And the Bible speaks about all kinds of people who work, people who build things and sell things and farm and carpenters, I guess that's building things. So let me just repeat that. But all kinds of workers and Jesus clearly relates to the worker bee. So if you are somebody who is working in the secular world, definitely tune in and listen today. Let's quick talk about how God actually created work. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, it is talking about the garden. And he says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. Interesting, right? Because he had not made Adam and Eve yet. He had not made the people who would work this ground, this garden that he was creating, that he worked to create, right? So we know that God is the original worker because he's spending days creating this beautiful earth and universe that we live in. He creates people, and we know that he creates them in his image, and he puts them above all things in terms of the land and the animals, and they blow it, right? They break the rules. And so now it changes things. And so here's where I'm going with this. Genesis 3, 17 to 19. So it says in chapter 3, To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, 
you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. We will have to work our whole lives. And even when we retire, life is work. And we still have to work at lots of things. And the interesting thing was prior to this in chapter 2, God does speak of working the ground, but he makes no reference to it being hard, to it being where we're going to sweat. But since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, there's a consequence. And the consequence is that the ground would be cursed and it would be painful work in order to get our food from it and live off the land. And it was going to have thorns and thistles. And so God created work, but he also created hard work because we were sinful human beings. And ever since that choice, we live in a sinful world. And so this world is hard work. Jesus knew that because he is God and was with God when God created the world and he became flesh and he knew what it was like to work because when you talk about people's work, if you are not called by God to work in some sort of religious way, pastor, priest, deaconess, um, some sort of ministry, um, maybe you're a Christian author or an evangelist or something where you know that God has called you a missionary, God has called you to do the work of the Lord. And obviously, that's what Jesus is all about. He is He is God, called by God, comes down as the Son of God to do the will of his Father So yes, you could say that Jesus is the first called pastor, priest of our world, right? Interestingly enough, though, he doesn't start that way. He starts by being the son of a carpenter, a human carpenter, and he would work that trade before he would work his ministry. And when he starts his ministry, he needs to teach those around him that would carry out that ministry after he dies on the cross, goes to hell, claims victory, raises from the dead, teaches for another 40 days here on earth and then ascends to heaven. So he wants to make sure that like a Jewish rabbi, he would 
teach his students to then be able to deliver the message and the word. And in this case, all about a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And so who does he call? Huh. He calls the workers of the world. He doesn't go to the synagogues and get all the rabbis and the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the um, leaders. He gets workers. He gets fishermen and tax collectors. And we're not really sure what all of the other disciples did, but none of them were rabbis. And so we know that Jesus hung out with workers. So I think it's kind of interesting because we know that Jesus taught the 12 disciples as much as he possibly could and as much as they could possibly understand and retain in this world. And everything is sort of tied together. I think when you read the Bible, it is so incredible how you can read and reread and read again. And it's amazing how things tie together. And and the more you know, the more you're able to put things together and understand, or maybe it just, you know, God's word is living and breathing and active. And so it's just this amazing book to continue to read. It's how we get to know God. And I say all that because in talking about work, Jesus talks about work a lot and I'll speak to that in a minute, but I thought of the Lord's Prayer, and I think I thought of it because I often pray about work. I've prayed for jobs before. One time I worked for nearly six months and documented, like journaled, prayer journaled, my journey in applying for this very specific job felt super good about the interview and did not get the job. Like I thought God was literally preparing me for six months for this very specific job and it didn't happen. And the really interesting thing is by praying for this job, I felt a hundred percent comfortable when I didn't get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I felt a little bit rejected because welcome to humanness and just, you know, anytime somebody says no, um, you know, nobody wants to hear that. And yet I knew and trusted because of this six months of praying about it. And even though I saw the direction of this was going to happen when it didn't, it felt right. And later I would get the job that I still have today, which I have worked at this job. I'm in my 18th year, so something must be working there in 
God's in God's favor for my favor, which is what I love about God. Um, but when I think about prayer, I, it made me think of the disciples and Jesus and what he taught them. And when he taught them how to pray, I'm like, where is work in that? Cause it says our father who art in heaven, hallowed thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. And the interesting thing is it doesn't say anything about us working for it. Right. And yet we know that you probably, like I probably can't skip work tomorrow and assume that I can just get paid by just staying at home and praying for daily bread. Doesn't work that way. And yet God provides and some would say, well, yeah, you work for your money. So he provides, well, he provided the job and he provides me the means to do my job and, you know, pandemic hit. And like many places that actually laid people off, um, my job required that we took a 25% pay cut. And I wondered like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to make that work? And that's where give us this day, our daily bread comes in. And Jesus backs it up right in the Bible um, when he literally fed 5,000 people with some bread. It was a daily thing. He says, hey, you guys feed these people. And they're like, Jesus, are you kidding me? Like this would take like a year's wages or I don't know if it was a year, but something like that to feed this many people. Like we don't have any money. And he's like, what do you got? And so it is not about worrying so much about working for what we need as it is relying on God to provide everything that we need to give us our daily bread. And yes, sometimes that is the work that we do. Um, and I don't know if that's making any sense, but it is trusting God in all of those details, including the work part of it. And I, I also thought of, um, when I said Jesus hung out with workers, clearly his disciples were workers. Um, we know that he was fr friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And women typically did not work for a living. There's a few examples. Um, but most of them were like household type um, workers we don't know what Lazarus did. Doesn't ever say what he did, but I'm assuming that he helped provide for their family. But it does talk about the work that Martha was doing to prepare for the, the guests at this party that they were having and for Jesus specifically. And Mary chooses to sit as Jesus is teaching everyone, 
And let me just tell you, that was scandalous because typically women weren't allowed to like learn and, you know, hang out with the rabbi and other men. But Jesus, but Mary sat right at Jesus's feet and just didn't worry about all the work that needed to be done. Whereas, whereas Martha was fretting over it. And instead of doing what needed to be done and also paying attention to Jesus, who is the Messiah right in front of them, she's starting to get resentful about this work that she has to do. And then she actually complains to Jesus. And Jesus is like, oh, Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen the right thing, and I'm not going to take it away from her. And from what I understand, and I think I've spoken of this before, is that when, um, in Hebrew, when, like, you actually say somebody's name twice, it's almost like saying, oh, darling, or like, oh, honey, like, just, you know, I'm saying your name twice. It's just endearing. I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm just saying, oh, child, you know, let me, let me just talk to you sweetly and gently. And he says, you know, Mary chooses the right thing. We need to understand that work is important and it needs to get done, but not at the expense of our relationship with Christ, not at our expense, at the expense of getting to know who God is and who this savior is and having that relationship and incorporating that relationship into what we do for a living. Jesus preached in the synagogues, but far more than that, he went out and about and spoke to all kinds of people, people that weren't avid Jews going to the synagogue, everyday common people, the worker bees of the world. And he spoke and taught and preached. And he did so using stories called parables. And in the parables, he uses lots of examples of workers like gardeners, the sower of the seeds, um, and, and farmers in vineyards and laborers in the vineyards and, um, and servants that are left in charge of the boss's money. Um, he, he does talk about, he, so he uses examples that people can relate to shepherds, um, and lost sheep and and things that are relatable to people because they're things that those people do. And so when he tells a story of, you know, like the Samaritan and um, who walked by um, the this hurt person and the the Samaritan helps the the hurt person, otherwise known as the Good Samaritan, people, could relate to all of the characters in his parable. And so 
he doesn't just talk about workers. He talks about the bosses and the kings and the, the, you know, and leaders and rich people. And sometimes he uses them as an example because of their love of their money or their possessions or things. I, I also love the story about the rich dad who had two sons and the one son is real bored and he wants his inheritance now. And then he goes away and wastes all the money. And in a desperate act of wanting to eat again, he comes back to the dad because he knows that he has squandered all the money and this could be his only chance of, you know, getting back on track as if he comes back and just is a worker for his dad. And of course his dad isn't about the money. It's about his love for his son and, you know, runs down the road to welcome the son home. And so I love the fact that when Jesus is out there preaching to all the workers of the world, he's using examples to share with us about what is important and how to follow God and how to love others. You know, it's about loving God and loving others. And Jesus teaches that all in examples that we can relate to and in lots of examples of work. There's a lot of Bible verses about work. Before I share some of those with you, listen to the commercial about how I work to create this podcast. Yeah, I know. I think I'm real funny. So I'm going to go back to the beginning again. And Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Remember, work was created by God, but it wasn't created so that it would be hard. That didn't happen until sin entered our world. And unfortunately for all of us, we are now sinful human beings and you can't really blame everything on Adam and Eve because some of it's absolutely our own consequences, but that's where work got a bad name and a bad rap. I think that's kind of funny because it's actually true. I like how also in the Old Testament, the Psalms talk about work. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands so that God gives us favor even in establishing the work that our hands are going to do, the things that we are going to work at. That is Psalm 90 verse 17. I like that um, in Colossians 3.23, New Testament, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for working for the Lord, not for human masters. And I'm lucky because I have 
almost always had good people to work for. They haven't always been the best bosses in the world, but they've been decent human beings. And I've had a couple that have been amazing bosses. Tom Belzer, not sure if you listen, but if you do, I'm calling you right out because you were the best boss ever. And so, um, but I can't please everyone all of the time. And even though Tom was the best boss in the world, I couldn't please him all the time. And if I was always, if I am always looking for a human to be proud of what I do or to accept what I do or to value what I do, um, I'm going to be disappointed. But if I work as though I'm working for the Lord, then I know that my value is there because God looks down with grace and mercy and appreciates everything that I do, especially when I do it for the right reason um, and for the good of others. And so no matter what you do for a living, work at it with all your heart, like do the right thing. And in in everything, this is from Titus 2, 7 and 8, also in the New Testament, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So no matter what you do, do it in a way that is honest with integrity so that nobody can take away from what you are doing. You know, that you, like I said, being honest and having integrity and pride in what you do and following the rules and the regulations and all of that. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's frustrating, but when you do the right thing, you almost always reap the rewards of that. And the crazy part is there's sometimes where you feel like you're working so, so hard and you just wonder what it's all for. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, God is telling the prophet Jeremiah specifically that he doesn't create us without a reason. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And sometimes that future is difficult to see. And sometimes we look at that future from a worldly perspective. Maybe the our hope for our future is a promotion or a raise or better benefits or, you know, easier work or just a wide variety of things that 
might have more worldly value. But sometimes I look at even somebody like my dad. He was a Marine for 25 years of his career. And then for another, boy, I don't know, 20 some more years, 30 more years, he worked and he was a bread delivery salesman. It's a hard job, um, especially in Wisconsin. It's super hot in the summer and it's super cold in the winter. And sometimes you're driving on an icy road and you put your truck in a ditch and all kinds of craziness. And yet he wasn't necessarily gaining anything of worldly value, but he fed his family and paid his bills and he worked as though he were, was working for God. He worked with integrity and honesty and now he is reaping the benefits of eternal life. He lives with Jesus. And so sometimes the plans that God has for us is bigger than what we have on earth. And sometimes those plans may include some earthly treasure and earthly status. And if that's the case, make sure that you are using those things for God's glory and using those things in a way that is pleasing to God, because that is our role as a worker and how we give back to God. At first, I thought it was going to be hard to talk about work as a single topic in the whole Secular Jesus series. I, I knew that there was a lot of talk about work in the Bible, but I just didn't know how it was going to really resonate with those of us that have secular jobs. I think now I feel like I could go on and on and on about this because in my own life, the more I know Jesus, the more I see him present in my work life. And I think that's really cool. And that's just something that I would encourage all of you to look for Jesus at work. And so um, the other funny thing is, is I kind of thought this whole topic of secular Jesus was going to be more funny than serious. And it actually ended up being like super serious. Like Jesus is so secular. It is so true. All of these things that we do, the daily kind of stuff that we do from brushing our teeth to going to work, listening to music, work, all of that stuff or work, sorry, like play, sports, dining, um, dancing, everything, all points back to Jesus in some way, shape, or form. And so I am amazed at this topic of work and how there were so many things that were relatable 
and that were actually biblical. And I love the Jeremiah verse because to know that God's, that God has a plan for me and for you makes you want to go to work and makes you want to keep working for the Lord. Work is hard, but God is good. And we don't have to be miserable because Jesus is present. He is right here and now at work, at home, in everything we do, and certainly at church or worship or praying or, you know, any kind of praise and worship activity that we do. Anytime we spend meditating on who God is and communing with God and all of the things that connect us to God. Because see, in this whole secular Jesus, if anything, I hope you realize that secular Jesus is the same as Jesus, the save, our Savior. Religious Jesus and secular J- Jesus are the same God, the same human that came, the same God who came to be a human for us to show us how to live and how to love God and love others. And so speaking of that God who would become human, we will be in Advent the next time this podcast airs. So please come back for some Advent and Christmas podcasting topic to be determined. Please come back because I need you as listeners. Yes, I'm talking to all five of you um, and <laughs> you know you're all my favorites. So thanks, everybody. I'm Chrissy Baki, the hippie Christian who cares. And just remember, secular Jesus loves you.